0: Good morning. Some of you might notice a slight difference in the materials that are brought to the front this morning. There's a Bible, there's my notes and some glasses. I'm hoping I'm not going to need them, but we'll see. We'll see how the eyesight goes if I read from here or I prefer not to. Um, if you want to open your Bibles Acts 3, that's where we're going to base ourselves this morning. It's the next installment of our story of the early church. And we've heard Previously, that Jesus said to the disciples, wait, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will receive power to be my witnesses. They will receive power as they wait. And we see this on the day of Pentecost. The believers in one place praying and the Spirit of God comes upon them. And they receive the Spirit and tongues of fire above their heads and they begin to speak in tongues, in different languages, and they roll out into the streets with their inhibition and excitement and get accused of being drunk. And then people from different nations say, they're declaring the praises of their God in my language. What's going on? And Peter uses this opportunity to preach the gospel, to preach the good news of Jesus, to explain what's happening by going back to Joel and saying the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Here's a promise for you and all those who are far off, repent and believe, be baptized, come into the family of God, come and know God through the power of Jesus. And then last week, Chris looked at the, uh, the believers, the early church, and what that looked like. Believers gathered together, devoted to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And in the midst of that, there's this little phrase and said, Many signs and wonders were done. Many signs of wonders were done. And we're going to look at a particular sign of wonder that Luke, the author of this book, thought was appropriate to draw our attention to. Many signs and wonders were done, but this one particularly was significant. And what we'll see is two things. The significance, in one sense, is the impact. We don't see it in chapter three. In chapter four, we see on the back of this chapter, 2,000 more believers were added to the church. So through this particular instant, 2,000 people come to know Jesus, join the church and follow him. But what we particularly see, and what I want to draw our attention to today is we see here that Jesus's power is still at work. Peter and John have walked with Jesus. They've seen him forgive sins, heal the sick, raise the dead. They've seen the power of Jesus of work as they've walked with Jesus, but they've stood, they've waited, they've received the Holy Spirit. And now we see Peter and John doing the same things, not because they're doing anything special, but because they are convinced of this fact. The power of Jesus is still at work. And my aim today is to encourage us to come to exactly the same conclusion for us. The power of Jesus is at work today. So let's read from verse 1. I am going to have to use my glasses. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking walking and jumping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping. Anyone know that song? Yeah, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name And the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And times of refreshing may come for the Lord, and that he may, and he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. But Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your, among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off. From among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you were heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. We're going to see through this passage. That Jesus' power is still at work. Jesus' power is still here to heal. It's still here to wipe away sins. And it's still here to restore everything. The power of Jesus is here to heal, to wipe away sins, and to restore everything. So let's look first at this power to heal. And we've got this incident With this man who was lame from birth, who sat at the beautiful gate, he was carried there. And we can only assume that he'd been there for many years. If he'd been lame from birth and people knew him, he'd been sitting there for many years. Which means this. We could almost guarantee that Jesus, when he was alive, would have walked past that man. Jesus and his disciples, when they came to the temple, are very likely to have walked past him. And Peter and John, since Jesus has died, may have already walked past him on the way to the temple. Why am I making this point? I have a big question about this. Why did this man get healed on this day? At this point. You see, I think we could say Jesus or the disciples walked past him many times before, and he wasn't healed then, so why today? Why does it happen? Well, the passage gives us a a few thoughts and a few ideas, although I don't think we're going to get a conclusive answer just to give you a heads up. So verse 6, Peter says this, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. So maybe Peter has got a gift of healing now that he can give. And he gives that to him. But then Peter says in verse 12, Something slightly different. When Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. Not his power. I've not done this. It's not my godliness or my righteousness or my holiness. God has done this to glorify his servant Jesus. So we're getting some reasons why, but not why now. And then Peter gives, I think, the most definitive answer in verse 16. He says this, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all now can see. This is Peter's best explanation. It's the power of Jesus and faith in that name that has made this man well today. Something about that moment, something about that day means those things that come together. Jesus' name is the all-powerful name, the almighty name. But it's that particular day, the gift of faith faith is in the mix. I don't think the passage gives us enough to discern where it's in the mix. Perhaps Peter has got faith for healing today. He looks in that man's eyes and John looks in his eyes. It's a really interesting moment. Look at me, he says. Look at me. What's he looking for? He's looking for faith in the heart of the sick man or is he looking to hear God speak to him? I'm not going to give you a conclusive answer, but I can tell you this. The reason he got healed was because of the power of Jesus' name and faith in that name. Jesus' power is still at work today. Now, I want you to do me a favour, a little survey in the room. If you have been miraculously healed, I'd like you to raise your hand. If it was 20 years ago, 100 years ago, two days ago, just raise your hand. Now, I'd just like you to look around the room. I reckon maybe... A third of people in the room here have known the power of Jesus heal them. And so we can look at the scriptures. We can look around the room and we can arrive at this conclusion. Jesus' power is still at work today. Jesus has the power to heal. And this is not some sort of incantation or some sort of spell when we say, in Jesus' name, be healed. It's not because we say the right words. It's because in the power of Jesus' name and the mix of faith, God and us, together with him, allow that healing to outwork in everyday life. And I can't tell you why some people are healed and some aren't. But I can give you a better and greater promise, and I'll do that later on, about the power of Jesus in your life. But I I want us to come to a place this morning of realising this. Jesus' power is here to heal. Jesus' power is here to heal today. When you go to work on Tuesday, because it's a bank holiday, unless you are a worker that works on a bank holiday, in which case, when you go to work on Monday... Jesus's power is available to heal. When you go back to school, whether it's next week or the week after, Jesus's power is available to heal. When you're at home watching the TV, do you know what? The power of Jesus, and by faith in that name, you can be healed. This is what we see from this story. Well, let's just... Ask what is our role in this? I think we have two things we can do. Number one, look for opportunities to pray for healing. Number two, take opportunities to pray for healing. Now, by all means, let's work out this faith thing with God. God, are you speaking? Do you want me to pray? Do you want me to do it? But you know something? I think I just like to pray for people to be healed anyway. I'm going to give you two stories of when I prayed for people to be healed and they didn't get healed. That's going to encourage you, isn't it? Walking down South Road about four or five years ago, a man clearly in pain, barely able to walk. I stopped him and said, I, I can see you in pain. What, what's happened? Oh, I, I think I have put my disc out. I'm just trying to get along to something I have to do. I said, can I pray for you? He went, yeah. Okay, great. Well, I'm a Christian. I believe God's healed. So I'd like to pray for you to be healed. So I, I said, I prayed for him. I said, in Jesus' name, back be aligned, pain go in Jesus' name. Amen. I said, did you feel any different? He went, not at all. No, I'm still in absolute agony. I said, can I pray again? He said, no, I need to get off. But then he said, but thank you so much. Thank you for praying for me. I was like, you're welcome. Now, I did say to him, God may heal you as you go. And maybe he did, and maybe he didn't. But you know something? I wanted to see God heal this man because I had compassion on him and he needed something. I'll give you another example. My neighbor, very bad hit walking, now at operation, walking down the road. And I said, Ian, look, I'd love just to pray for you. Is that okay? Then, uh, okay. I don't think he felt he had a choice. I kind of cornered him at the time. I prayed for him. He felt no difference, nothing changed. Do you know what he said afterwards? Thank you so much for praying for me. I really appreciate that. So no one was healed. The power of Jesus was not released. Hallelujah. But the love of Jesus was. So the biggest risk I've got is that they won't get healed, but they will get loved. So I think I'm willing to take that risk sometimes. I don't know about you. Look for opportunities and take those opportunities. Because you know, if if I pray for no one, no one's gonna get healed by me with God. Yeah, if I take no opportunities, not if I take some opportunities, then maybe he will. Let's get back to the point. The power of Jesus is able to heal any disease and any sickness. It's available for us today and wherever we are. And this story, this healing draws a massive crowd. We see 2,000 people are saved. Maybe all the crowd was 2,000 people and they all got saved. It's more likely the crowd was bigger, but they gather it causes a ruckus. It causes excitement. It causes wonder because people know this man. They know he's been lame from birth. They don't need to check it out. And he's been healed. And they say, what has happened? The crowd gathers. Peter's there. They come to him. And he's, he's, look, he's, he's got an opportunity, hasn't he? He's got an opportunity. Now, what would you do in that moment? God has released the power of healing through you. Pray for someone that have been healed. I've heard stories of uh, people in a supermarket pray for healing and then over the microphone saying, someone's been healed. If you want to be healed, come to the front. Come to the supermarket and of people get healed. Brilliant, fantastic, great strategy. It's not Peter's strategy. Do you notice that? He didn't say the power of God's here to heal. Everyone come forward. It's time for everyone to be healed. He didn't do that at all. What does he do? Well, what would you do? Some of us might take the opportunity to tell our best joke. You've got a crowd for the first time in your whole life. They're, on be- they're listening. I'm going to tell my best joke. Or maybe you do a little dance because, you know, you always wanted to be a dancer. How would you take that opportunity? What would you do with it? Peter does this. You killed the author of life. Peter, don't you understand? We need to talk about the love of God. We need to explain how God has expressed his goodness through this healing. Isn't God good? Look, this man was lame, but now he's not. Peter, don't you understand this is what we should do? No, the righteous one, you've killed. The holy one, Pilate gave you an opportunity to give him back, and you pushed it in his face. And instead, you chose to crucify the author of life. That's how Peter takes the opportunity with a crowd. Not what I would have done. Maybe not what you have done. But this is why Peter does this, I believe. He wants to reveal the goodness and the greatness and the love of God. But he can only do that effectively if he reveals the sin of those who are listening. You cannot reveal the full goodness of God without revealing the fullness of our sin. Are you with me on that one? And Peter also knows this. He knows the power of Jesus to wipe out sins. Let's jump into verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. He knows That Jesus' power is such that he can wipe out sins. I need a little help to illustrate this. I need to steal something from my daughters. I've got a little uh, magic slate here. Uh... So, you know when you say, talk about wiping the slate clean. Right. So we've got a magic slate here. Okay. Would anyone like to shout out a sin? Preferably one you've committed. No, no. Just shout out one. Lying. Lying. Okay. Lying. Nearly misspelled that. That says lying. Okay. Clearly. Says lying. Maybe I'll just double it up a bit. Now it just looks like a complete mess. Which... You know, lying does make your life a complete mess. That's helpful. Lying, so this is what Peter said, Peter knows. The power of Jesus is such that he can wipe away sins. It's good, isn't it? Let's try another sin, see if it works again. See if the power of Jesus is effective. Any other sins? Let's try, no? We're so holy, we don't even know what sin is. Stealing. Right, this one's going to be fancy writing. Stealing. Guess what's going to happen? It's a sin committed against God. You may have stolen a packet of sweets from the newsagents, but ultimately your sin is against the holy God. You've committed it against him. But Je- Jesus' power is this. Look! He wipes it away just as easy as that. Do you want to do another one or not? I think you've got the point. Have you got the point yet? You've got the point. Okay. I was quite enjoying... Drawing, but maybe, do you need your pad back, Isabel? Okay, we'll save that for later. These are great, by the way, for uh, kids during the meeting. They can take notes, take pictures of it. Very, very good. I can uh, recommend a a good shop to get them from, so just let me know. I've only got a 10% commission, it's not a lot, so. Um, Jesus' power to wipe away sin, Peter knows this. So he is very confident and very willing to go to this place of revealing sin in his hearers. He's happy to say you killed the author of life because he knows the solution to their predicament. He knows what's going to happen. But he also knows the power as well, that it brings times of refreshing. Jesus' power can bring times of refreshing. You see, if you live with guilt and shame, do you know what? It is tiring. It brings you down. It bears you down. And maybe this morning... If you need a time of refreshing, maybe some of that is due to, sh- due to sin and shame. And you need that slate to be white clean. If you've never come to Jesus before, if you've never given your life to him, then if you give yourself the moment and time to consider it, you'll know that you are racked with guilt You're wracked with condemnation and you're wracked with shame because nothing in this world can get rid of it. There is no power strong enough to get rid of it. You can go through therapy. You can talk about it. You can do whatever you want to numb the pain, but it will not disappear. The only thing that will ever get rid of sin and shame is this the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And then let's skip to verse 18. Now, Brother 17, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ should suffer. Mike read out that spoken word. And it talked about a God who laid down his life for us. There was that graphic image of us being tied to train tracks by our sin and able to get away from the wrath of God, careering towards us like a train. But Jesus, the sinless one, became sin for us. Jesus, the righteous one, gets us off the track and puts himself in our place and says, I will take the punishment. I will take the wrath of God. I will take your sin. It's a corporate act for those who believe in him, but it's a specific individual act for you as well. He bore your sin. He bore your shame. So that when you repent, and we'll come to that in a second, your sins will be wiped away and times of refreshing can come to you. How do we experience our slates being wiped clean? How do we experience sin being wiped away? How do we come to know the forgiveness of a holy God? Peter's very clear. Verse 19 Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, Dan so helpfully expanded and expounded this idea of repentance. And if you weren't there that week, please do go and listen to it. We're going to touch on it again today because I believe it's something that God wants us to think about and God wants us to do. Repentance means this, a change of direction, a change of mind, turning round completely, if you like. Making a life about Jesus, about God and not about you. Now, has anyone played the game, floor is lava? Yeah, floor is lava. I think it's a TV program now. The basic idea is that the floor is lava. Do you want me to go through that again with you? And so you can get across the different spaces. Just going to respect the chairs here. You can get across the different spaces. So the floor's lava here, okay? Oh, floor's lava. <laughs> I'm all right. Okay, floor's lava. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Oh, okay. Floor's lava. Oh, oh, Don't touch the floor, Josiah. Don't, don't touch the floor. It's lava. Good, he's not touching the floor. Who's touching the floor? Don't touch the floor. Floor's lava. Oh, no. You're out. <laughs> That's the game you can play, floor is lava. Why are we playing that game? Why are we playing that game? I think sometimes we can treat sin like lava in Floor is Lava. It's just a game. I don't really I know I shouldn't go there. But, you know, if I dip my foot in, it's all right. doesn't matter, does it? It's just a game. So I'll tiptoe around it, jump over it occasionally. Sometimes I'll fall in, we'll laugh about it. Ha, 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 you're out. If we had another game where we went to an active volcano and we played the game Floor is Actually Lava... We might play it slightly differently. So let's imagine this is the volcano here. This is the volcano, and the lava's coming down. This is how you play floor is actually lava. Yeah. Whoops, sorry. That's how we play floor is lava. Which one do you think repentance looks more like? Is it dancing around just trying to avoid it? Or is it saying, I know. It's the worst thing for me. It lies to me and says it'll satisfy me. It convinces me that it's good. It tempts me. But ultimately, sin is sin. Sin leads to death and wrath. We're called to be holy people. We're called to sprint away from sin. And not just that. Go towards a God who loves us, who has the power to deal with our sins, the power to help us. You see, as Mike read out in that, in that little poem, it said, we get enticed by lesser things. When actually the glorious God calls us into relationship with him and higher things. Let's not toy, let's not play, floor is lava. Let's recognize if it really is what sin is to run away from it and run towards God. Got a bit of a dab on now. Um, so if you're living with guilt today, well, let me ask you guys a question. Are you living with guilt today? Are you living with some level of shame over your life? Have you put something to the back of your mind for decades, but it's still not been dealt with? Let me tell you today, if you repent and turn away from your sins, the power of Jesus is this, he will wipe away your sins. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He will forgive us our sins. Let's see the power of Jesus at work in our lives by confessing our sins, by repenting and allowing him to wipe them away, to remove them, to allow us to live our lives the best way we can in relationship with the Holy God. There's also another application to this point, which is a bit more, I don't know if it's more challenging or not we're called to repent. We're called to confess. But what we're seeing here modelled by Peter is this. He calls people to repentance. He speaks about their sin. Now within contexts and our culture, there may not be the moments where you've got 4,000 people around you or 5,000 people around you where you can proclaim you killed the author of life. Maybe those moments aren't there. Maybe those moments aren't what we're called to do. But there will be moments in your school, in your workplace, in your family life. Parents, you might have these opportunities with your children. Just to say, actually, that, that is a sin that's not right. And if you want to have that wiped away, if you want to receive the forgiveness of God, whom you've sinned against, you can. That power is available, so repent. Now, I can't tell you which situation and when that's going to be appropriate to do, but there's a call upon our lives to be those who do mention sin that we don't just talk about the goodness and the love of God. Of course, we talk about those things. We don't just bring out the power of God for healing. Of course, we want to see that happen as well. But if you want to see the full power of Jesus at work, wiping away sins, calling people into relationship with God, securing their eternal future, at some point in time, we're going to have to talk about sin. And we're going to have to talk about repentance. Which is why... We need the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you, that doesn't exactly fill me with excitement. That feels quite scary in our culture this day, these days. But Jesus says, "Wait till the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power, power to be my witnesses. If you're feeling a bit weighed down by that encouragement, let me put a step in there beforehand. Come to God to re- receive more of His spirit. To receive more of his power. Right, I'm going to move us on. Has anyone watched The Repair Shop? The Repair Shop? Any f- big fans of The Repair Shop? Yeah? Um, I watched a small part of one episode last week. Where a man brought, a widow brought in a jukebox. That had played the first dance at him and his wife's wedding. And it no longer worked. And so he brought in this beautiful jukebox that didn't work. It's a bit scratched and a bit messy. And the story behind it, obviously, is quite emotional, which is why they picked it, no doubt. So he's asking them to bring this back to life because in the midst of that jukebox, is somehow his wife and his marriage is intertwined. And he's got this hope of this jukebox being restored. So in some way, he can reach back into and grab hold of something that he's lost. And they do it. They restore it. There's the big reveal. He breaks down in tears and blubbers like no one's business. Everyone else around starts crying exactly what they wanted for TV. It was a beautiful moment. What's your ultimate hope for restoration? What's been lost or damaged in your life that you want to be restored? For this beggar, for this lame beggar. He was actually asking for money, but maybe he was hoping for more. Maybe he wanted we don't even know if he's got a family. He hasn't got a job really. He wasn't possibly hoping for that. So he's given back by God more than he was hoping for. He has his full health restored, but suddenly he can live a full life as well. What was Peter hoping for? Was he hoping for thousands of people to be saved, to be restored into the relationship with God? Probably, maybe, we don't know. But what we see in Peter's message here is that we can hold our hope that all things will be restored. We go to verse 21. Talking about Jesus. He must remain in heaven Until the time comes for God to restore everything as He promised long ago through His holy prophets, we're just going to touch on this. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but this is a magnificent promise in this message. But it's a promise through Scripture that at the end of time, all things will be restored. Let's just skip into Revelation 21. We'll look a little bit. I'm going to do a couple of verses, three to five. This is talking about what heaven will be like. Now the dwelling of God is with men, with people, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their gods. He will wipe away every he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I'm making everything new. This is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus will do. He'll make everything new. So we get into this quandary of some people get healed, some people don't. And I can't promise that you'll get healed today. I can promise you the power of Jesus can heal you. I can't promise you get healed today. Maybe you're sitting here and you, you feel damaged and hurt, or maybe you've lost a loved one. I can't promise to make that better here and now. But I can promise this, whatever has caused you to shed a tear in this life, whatever has ever caused you to moan or weep or grieve, whatever has made your heart heavy, Whatever has pained you, whatever has disturbed you, whatever has abused you, He will make all things new. He will restore everything. In the new heavens and earth, we will dwell with God in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, that we know tears, no pain, no crying, no mourning. This is the promise. Of Jesus, but this is the power of Jesus that will accompany us, will accomplish this for us, but for Him and for His glory. We might lose much in this world with the challenges and difficulties that face us. But Jesus has the power to restore everything at the end of time in order that he receives the glory due to his name. And that's what we're heading for. That's our direction. That's what this life is about. Being with him forever. Living in a way that allows others to come into that journey and that story. Peter knew the power of Jesus when he walked with him, but he knew the power of Jesus was with him when Jesus had died because he received the Holy Spirit. The power of Jesus to heal, to wipe away sins, to restore everything. That power is still at work today. And we get those power moments now. We get those moments where Jesus breaks into our lives and does the miraculous And breaks into our lives and saves our friends and family and wipes away their sins. And there'll be a moment when we will have our tears wiped away as well. And I want to believe today that God wants to do some of those things amongst us as well. Band, if you'd like to come up. But what I want us to do now is to focus on Jesus and his power.